It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 335? I think it's 335 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, May 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Uh, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Team focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. You got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd. We got Locked On NBA with David Locke and a whole bunch of hosts across uh, that show as well with daily episodes the last month or so, which have been great. You, if you want to check out uh, daily and sort of varied conversations about the NBA, that's the show for you. Uh, if you're an NFL fan, although this is kind of the dead season for the NFL, you can check out Locked on NFL and all the NFL shows across the network there. There's some Locked on MLB shows coming up too as well, including Locked on Blue Jays, so make sure you're checking that out. And if you find a host on any of the networks that you like and want to support, you, subs- you should subscribe to their show on iTunes and leave a rating and a review. And if you do that for us, Locked on Raptors, of course, is on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that stuff. If you leave a rating or review, it's the best way to support the show. It's free, it takes no time at all, and it's very helpful for algorithms and stuff. And uh, thank you in advance for taking the time. Uh, all right, on today's show, we're kicking off our uh, long-teased and long-procrastinated season player reviews for the Raptors. Uh, we're just going to take a bunch of episodes of the next little while, fill some days of content, and we're just going to talk about individual players and their seasons this year with the Raptors, stuff they need to improve, stuff that was good, most memorable games, stuff like that. And I can think of no better person to start it off with, to start it off on a positive note, than OG Ananobi. And to join me to talk about OG Ananobi and his rookie season for the Raptors is the guy who, on this very podcast just about a year ago, talked OG Ananobi to the Raptors into existence with me on this show. From Raptors Republic, it's Matt Schantz. How's it going, man? Going good. We made it happen, Sean. So it's nice to be back. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Also, shouts to you and your Tass Mellis ass voice. Um, <laughs> if ever I want to have Tass on, but he can't do it, I'll just have you come in and double for him, and it will be completely flawless because it, you guys sound eerily identical. Um, how are you? How are you doing, man? We haven't talked since uh, OG was the apple of our eyes, and now he is like the most positive thing about the Raptors after one season. Uh, take me through, I guess, what happened in your brain when he fell to the Raptors at 23, and then just sort of watching it unfold this season. I know I made many jokes about you being an OG and an OB stalker, um, all in <laughs> all in good fun, but I think warranted. Um, how was your uh, your first season watching OG on the Raptors? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I wouldn't dismiss the warranted element of those critiques <laughs> of me. Um, yeah, on, going back to draft night, it was, it was a pretty surreal night. I've, most drafts, I have a favorite as to who I would like to see the Raptors pick or who I want to see fall. And typically, even if they do fall, they're just not the one that's picked. Mm-hmm. So with at pick after pick, as OG getting passed over and over again. Um, I, I couldn't sit down and I was just elated. Just he, he answered, in my mind, so many of the questions that uh, 
the Raptors have been looking for at the small forward position for a long time. Yeah, and he was excellent in his rookie season. Apparently, though, not excellent enough to be named to one of the all-rookie teams. And before we get into this talk about his season, I guess we can talk about that. Uh, he was, I believe, the second or third guy off the voting. I think he came like 13th in votes for all-rookie. I don't think they do position-wise on all-rookie, but I also don't care about all-rookie, so I might be getting that wrong. Um, some people were mad that OG was left off. I mean, it was a really good rookie rookie year for a lot of guys. This was a very good class. Um, obviously, like Jason Tatum, Donovan. Mitchell, Ben Simmons, like those guys are locks, and then you know Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, the Laker vote or whatever, and like Kuzma was really good. Ball missed a bunch of time, but was also pretty good in his time. Like I don't know, maybe you could have said to put him over like Boyan Bogdanovich or Josh Jackson, but also those guys, while they were on bad teams, put up bigger numbers. I don't know. I, I don't have a huge problem with OG not making it. I think you know maybe it looks dumb considering he was like one of three or four rookies who made the biggest impact in the postseason, but. I don't know. Do you feel slighted that OG didn't make the all-rookie teams? Uh, It's obviously disappointing, but it's not surprising. Uh, Awards like this are generally, particularly rookie, uh, are based more so on the the raw stats rather than looking a little bit deeper. Um, OG with his 5.9 points a game doesn't really (laughs) pop out to anyone. Uh, The other guys vastly beat him in there. He's low assists, low, low rebounds. Um, but most of that is due to his usage, whereas if you're looking at things like um, offensive rating or defensive rating, he's the best that you can find, or at least among the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not surprising, but obviously I would have hoped for a little bit more analysis on that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's only you can only ask people to look so much at defense. And like I understand when guys probably aren't watching 82 games of the Raptors to like you know, overlook the fact that his defense was crucial to the starting unit and the fact that his insertion into the starting five kind of resulted in, you know, a big turnaround for the Raptors starters, which was awful with Norman Powell in that lineup. And then they became one of the better lineups in the league um, with OG in there. And like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that in when you have a national vote of media people, like you're, you're going to miss that stuff. So I don't know. It, people aren't yeah. going to remember who made the second all rookie team <laughs> like five years from now. So I don't really care. And uh, the Raptors fans should feel pretty happy that they have OG on their team, regardless of where he finished in the voting, because he is pretty awesome, as we're about to get to. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, let's, I, let's start this off, I guess. First moment this season that you realized OG was a goddamn boss. Like, what's Is there a, like a moment where you were the most giddy about him? Was there a certain game that stood out from OG where you were just like, all right, this dude is here and I'm very excited about him and I'm going to get irrational about projecting what he's going to be? Definitely. You, you have to go back to his first start against Houston yeah. in, uh, in mid-November. Um, Harden put up, I, if I'm going off the top of my brain, I think he put up like 44 points that night or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but the vast majority of them came when OG wasn't on the court. But in his 29 minutes, he went 6 of 8 from the field, 3 or 4 from uh, from the three-point line, added a couple of rebounds and assists, and did damage against one of the uh, the best offensive players that the league has in his very first start. So that just 
opened my eyes even further. It's it's amazing what he uh, what he was able to do just uh, d- despite his relative inexperience at a high level. Yeah, that game was awesome. That was, I think, like, uh, you know, I think it goes down as one of the better Raptors games this season, of course, because it was, you know, the, the Rockets were on a crazy winning streak coming in. Yes, they were down Chris Paul, but they were still really damn good without Chris Paul. Um, and if you buy into playoff narratives, Chris Paul's garbage anyway, so who cares? <laughs> but, yeah, no, I thought that was just like a really, you know, sort of... You know, the Raptors kind of scuffled a little bit to start the season. I think that was the game after that annoying Boston loss where DeMar missed the game winner over Jalen Brown, and everyone was pretty yep. down. I think they were like 8-5, and 8-6 at that point. And then that back-to-back, or it was two games and three nights against Houston and New Orleans where they just kind of rolled, and OG got put as a starter, and it was just like, all right, this this makes sense now. Poor Norm got like left in the lurch by all of it, but... Um, yeah, I thought that game was, was outstanding. And yeah, 16 points and like his... 10th 13th career career regular season game like that was uh that was pretty fun and i don't know i think he had a game like like a a play in like the first game of the season where he came in and made like a cut on the baseline and i was just like oh this this like you can do this also like there was stuff that like and like early in the season in the preseason as well uh i think he got into like one or two preseason games at the end and remember remember it was like kind of a surprise he was even playing in those games that we didn't really think he was going to get in uh to the regular season at all but he did and then he started off the regular season his first game he had nine points on three of six shooting and you know two assists as well and like those little drives and dump up passes and the cuts like that stuff was there from the very jump with him which is uh Kind of awesome and kind of, you know, something that I don't think anyone predicted. And the fact that he put in, like, two months of good work before, you know, his original, you know, anticipated return date was, uh, you know, it was just gravy for the first couple months there. And it was really exciting. Um, For me, honestly, I think it might have been game one of the playoffs against the Wizards. Uh, He had 12 points in that game. He was 2 of 4 from deep. And he just, like... He was so cool and calm in that game in a situation at game one where the Raptors normally poop themselves for OG to just be so calm and so chill and just knocking down threes without worrying and doing the baseline cuts and, you know, getting hit by Valanchunas and stuff, you know, cutting baseline. Like, that stuff, he was the cutter that Damari Carroll was promised to be and never was, and he kind of showed that in that game, and... Honestly, my whole thing with the playoffs until the last couple games was like, man, OG should be playing more. Just play this dude more. And um, I don't know. Is that maybe the most encouraging thing, just how we played in the postseason for the Raptors? That's incredibly encouraging. Uh, you you often worry that your rookie or, or any young player is going to kind of wilt under the extra spotlight of the playoffs. Um, whereas if you're looking at the whole picture of the Raptors for the two rounds, um, the only player that I, I could logically say achieved the goals of their role with at least equal efficiency as OG would be Jonas surprisingly mm-hmm. yeah. um, outside of that everyone had ups and downs everyone um, struggled in their spot at some time but OG was just that consistent force that uh, played his role about as perfectly as you could ask any 20 year old or even someone with five or six years of experience yeah, and I guess Game 3 against Cleveland is the one that's always going to stand out with him, until there are nicer playoff moments to remember, because um, he's always going to be the guy who hit the shot before LeBron hit the the stupid fading off-glass nonsense. But, um, like, OG's 3 in that game to tie it was, I don't know, maybe the most exciting moment of the playoffs for the Raptors. It's not like the first round was all that, like, great. Like, there weren't, like, crazy close games. The Raptors kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter in all the games they won. 
And like, if you're looking for one signature playoff moment from this this run, it might be maybe it's CJ Miles' three over John Wall. I think in Game Two uh, against the Wizards, but it's probably OG hitting that three to tie it against the Cavs after a really spirited second half comeback where it really felt like going into that game it was just kind of lost and no one was expecting much from the Raptors, and then they come out in the second half. Uh, they were, I think they were down like 15 or 16 or was it, was it that much? It might have been that much. Um, yeah, it was then, some, like, something silly. Yeah, and then they just like make this really sort of you know chip away at it comeback, and then for OG to hit that three at the end, like yes, it sucks that LeBron made the shot and did LeBron things, but no, I'm still gonna come away like remembering how much of a boss OG was. It was the most emotion I've seen OG show. I'm pretty sure after he hit that three. Would you agree? Well, yeah, but the most emotion that OG shows is still a pretty low bar to, to cross. Um, yeah, that that was he was into it, and and for a for somebody who came in one, we didn't know how many games we would get from him, and mm. two, the biggest critique of him was his shot um, to hit the most one of the most clutch shots that they had all season. In fact, with the pressure on them, the most clutch shot that they had the opportunity of. Um, and to shoot 37% on the season from three, like he just, it, it's amazing. He, he blew my mind just repeatedly throughout the year. It's, it sounds silly to be talking about it in such glowing terms, but uh, it, it was really one of the better rookie seasons that I can remember from a Raptors player. Yeah, and I think even in like January or February, there was kind of a bit of a downturn. His you know performances weren't all that effective. He was just kind of there in the starting five to be that glue, but not really doing much in the way of sort of you know helping things along. I mean, he had like a two week, two or three week stretch where he you know did break ten points and stuff like that, a bunch of you know zero point efforts and stuff like that. But he always was just like a good stabilizing force for that unit, and his defense kind of always played no matter what his offense was was doing. But around the All Star break, I would have said like, yeah, like OG, maybe he plays in the playoffs. But like I, he was kind of for me, kind of teetering on whether or not he was going to be in that playoff rotation. And then he gets hurt. He misses what was it, eight games with an ankle injury. And then he comes back and was just kind of revitalized a little bit, especially at the end of the year. He had the twenty one point game against the Magic. Um, and then just, like, fit perfectly into what the Raptors needed in the postseason. Uh-huh. And, like, the guarding LeBron, I mean, he was a rookie, and there's only so much you can do when LeBron was just playing horse against himself in a lot of those games and, like, hitting shots over OG. But, like, I don't think a lot of what LeBron did in that series was on OG. I think he did about as good a job as you could expect someone to do. And, you know, I think the fact that there weren't other guys there to sort of take on the burden sort of hurt what the overall impression of how the Raptors defended LeBron was. But... I think in the minutes OG was on him, like he was, like I, I don't know, <laughs> like how where did you expect him to be in terms of being able to guard LeBron, and then like compared to what he was? Yeah, re- reading uh, reading the series previews leading up to Cleveland, it, it kind of blew my mind how many people were saying the Raptors didn't have an answer for LeBron because. No one does. It's, yeah. it's just the reality. He's LeBron James. I'm uh, sorry, Marcus Lennon. Morris, but you are also not it. <laughs> yeah, you, the, the best that you can do is make him work harder. Um, and even I, I, I would wager anything that the Raptors uh, coaching staff, whoever they are coming up, um, but they, they will be showing OG Ananobi highlights of times that LeBron James scored on him. Mm-hmm and really pointing out how perfectly he defended those shots. Some of those fadeaways, turnarounds that LeBron did, he didn't bite on any fakes, he jumped at the perfect time, and he used his wingspan to just block whatever vision LeBron had. Mm -hmm. And LeBron still drains it because he's LeBron and he's built to torment Toronto. 
Yeah, the nice thing was he did force a couple of air balls from LeBron um, on those, like, 10-footers. Uh, but, like, one of them, I think, landed in the hands of Tristan Thompson in that game two, uh, or the end of game one when everything went terribly. But And, like, yeah. it was, like, perfect defense from OG and then just, like, a bad luck on where the shot ended up falling. But, um, like, there were some moments where it wasn't just, like, he was managing. Like, he made some very good defensive stops mm-hmm. on LeBron as well, which is hard to do. Um, and when you're 20 years old, I think, you know, getting beaten by LeBron is acceptable and understandable. So, uh, I'm yeah, pretty excited about where things are, we're headed with him on that front. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And, and I think this is kind of giving him as a rookie, a, a masterclass of what he needs to become as, mm-hmm. as an NBA defender and, uh, putting, be, be, being put in that position for sadly only four games but being asked to defend the best player in the world and one of the top two players of all time, um, the amount of information that he would have learned from that that I, I hope and trust will kind of carry forward as he develops. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so let's sort of look at the whole season, um, sort of big picture-wise, and, and like his performance this year, and like, you know, coming into the season, you know, there were certain preconceived notions about him, like he wasn't a very good shooter, blah, 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 blah. He was going to take some time to get his bounce back, which I think is actually kind of rang true. And there were like seven or eight almost murders that he performed, and then they kind of rimmed out <laughs> when he tried to dunk on people. But uh, maybe that comes back as he gets a little bit more um, sort of juice in that knee or whatever going forward. Uh, what was the thing, though, that impressed you the most about him this season? I didn't know that he had the passing that he showed this year. Mm-hmm. There was a it it doesn't show in his assists um, because the one he didn't have the ball a lot, so he didn't actually pass the ball a lot mm-hmm. um, in regards to comparing to other players, maybe in different situations. But he made a lot of very high level reads, in my opinion, in regards to. Uh, hitting other cutters or when he was cutting with the ball, dumping it off to Jonas or, or Pirtle for nice little easy buckets. Um, so he had a higher basketball IQ with the ball in his hands than I expected entering the season. That's a, that's a good one. And also on my short list, you know, the shooting is the easy one, right? Because um, yeah. he had like a super tiny sample of threes taken in college. I believe in his first season he was like pretty bad on a larger sample than in the second season he was a little better but on like a minute sample so it was really hard to gauge and that was always kind of the thing and like still I don't think his shot is like the purest looking shot it kind of seems like it's like going to be on a random path every time he puts it up and like I don't I don't really have trust that it's going to fall when it goes up I'm more like pleasantly surprised when it does maybe that's just like he has weird mechanics and we'll have to get used to it but um, like I still think there's some work to be done there, but and he did kind of go uh, have a bit of a downturn in the middle of the season. I mean, he was shooting like 45% at one point to start the year, finished at 37, which still like super impressive and was like out- outstanding in the playoffs. But um, this, so that that's on the list. But I think because it wasn't super consistent all year, I'll say it's not my no- number one thing. Honestly, I think it was just like he was advanced on defense to a point that you don't really expect to see rookies being right. Like he. Mm-hmm. 
was maybe you know, he struggled off ball a little bit, but you know that seems to be a trend among Raptors players. Um, but he he was just so good on the ball, and he had so many games against like James Harden, like you alluded to, LeBron in the playoffs. Even though like LeBron still got his, um, you know, he guarded Bradley Beal and John Wall different times in the first round, and it was like it was a, like a good thing the Raptors were doing to try to exploit his defensive abilities and. I think you saw in the regular season outside of the Harden game, you know, there was, you know, Giannis a couple times. He played really good defense on him. Um, I think he guarded Chris Dapps or something like that early in the season against the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken. Like, there were a lot of games where he was taking on really difficult defensive assignments and excelling. And it was just, like, kind of above and beyond anything you would expect a 20-year-old to do. So I think just, like, the amount of maturity he showed on defense, and this has kind of been a recurring theme for Raptors draft picks the last couple of years, um, maybe not Siakam in his rookie year, but definitely Siakam this season, and then Pirtle until the playoffs this year, and then OG uh, for the entirety of this year. Like They just seem to be pretty good at defense right away, which maybe that's something they're focusing on in their draft process. I don't know, but um, that that's, uh, that's pretty rare to find because normally rookies suck at defense, and OG very much did not do that. Um, in terms of things he has to work on, though, Obviously, he's not a finished product by any means. You mentioned it. 5.9 points. He, you know, low assists, low rebound totals. Uh, even his block totals were, like, oddly low. It feels like he should be picking up more blocks, but he only had 0.2 blocks a game this year. Um, and I think it took him, like, a long time to even get one block, if I'm not mistaken. That could be I think it might be. Maybe that's Pascal Siakam last year. But either way, uh, not huge on that front. Um, and, like, there's still, you know, this handle's not great or whatever. What's the thing you think... Over this summer, you're hoping OG works on the most. Um, the most, I, I would say, creating with the ball. Yeah. Um, that's that's the one reason I'm kind of uh, curious whether they bring him to Vegas for summer league. Uh, he obviously doesn't need it for his role, but as as they develop him further, they're obviously going to. Uh, challenge what he's currently capable of. So maybe give him a, a game in Vegas and say. What can you do with the ball in your hands if we give it to you ten times to to work around the pick? Or uh, so that's what I'm most curious to see whether he can can take a step in this summer because I think that's a dynamic. Um, maybe not with this current iteration of the Raptors, but in any future um, team, it will be a, a much needed. Uh, but I was also his rebounding is something that can use a, a big boost if. Yeah. Um, uh, particularly if he's playing somewhere, someone next to like an Ibaka who is, you know, hit and miss on that side. Uh, we need another bigger body with long arms being able to go in and, and aggressively attack for for boards. Yeah, I'm with you on the rebounding and the playmaking as well because I think. You know, OG played a lot of three this season. He played almost exclusively three, considering the Raptors had so many bigs that they were working in and out of the rotation. They didn't go small that often. They did it a bit in the playoffs, and that was nice and cool to see. Um, I think OG is going to have a lot of minutes in successful editions of the Raptors, whether it's this version or a future version that doesn't have you know this core of players. I think he's going to have a lot of responsibility at the four. And, like, it's just kind of the way the league's going, right? And it's, it's skewing smaller. And he profiles physically as a guy who could even, like, in some circumstances be a small ball five at times. Like, he's enormous and he's strong. And, like, he kind of has, you know, the, that, that sort of 
you know, Draymond Green is a very easy comp to make because everyone's trying to find the next Draymond Green. But that kind of like size, but also the strength to make up for a lack of size um, and a skill set that you know ideally would be you know conducive to being a, a sort of do it all defensive big. And you know maybe he's not going to be a center, but I think he's going to have to play a lot of the four going forward. I think the you know if the rebounding improves from him and Siakam continues to be the re- rebounder he was this season, I think the OG Siakam four five combo is something that should definitely be tested out next season and you know maybe gone to a lot if it works because that just seems like where the league is going and you know he's going to play some wing obviously and he's shown the chops to do that as well um but like i think there's going to be a lot of minutes at the floor for him in the future i'd like to see him screen a little bit more use him as a screener maybe see if you can use his sort of explosion uh you know know, maybe he can take advantage as being a roller or just like a guy that can do some stuff in the short roll where the raptors kind of lack guys who can do that i mean mean, we saw with serge Ibaka how much he struggled with that this season um and and, you know maybe you you know if you can try to offload surge or whatever happens and og plays a bit more for next season and you can stick him next to Jonas if he's still here whatever um that's another little element of playmaking just sort of another wrinkle you can throw at teams in a playoff series where it's not the same guy setting the screen every time and it's not predictable and um so i think that's something for sure that i'd like to see from him just sort of rounding himself out as a guy who can not just play the wing but play the four um and yeah the off-ball stuff as well if he can kind of you know, one of the, the, the appeal of Norman Powell in the Raptors starting five before Norman Powell got in his own head and was, was just way too sort of one-track mindy with all of his drives <laughs> is it's nice to have a third guy next to Kyle and DeMar who, if they get extra attention, you know, pointed their way, the swing can come to him. And instead of just, like, driving headlong into a missed lefty layup, you know, he can offer something that's a little bit more nuanced and sort of refined than what Norm does. <laughs> Um, where he can sort of, you know, find the big on the dump off or, you know, work and sort of get another driving kick opportunity or just go up and use his ridiculous hops to dunk on someone as well. Um, like, I think that can be in OG's future as sort of a bit of what Norm, like a, a bit of what a fully realized Norm provides while also just sort of being a bigger, you know, bigger player who can defend more positions. And um, yeah, no, I, I'm just damn excited about OG's sort of future here. And I think that's kind of the... The biggest question with all of this, right, is it's very, very easy to get you know, kind of run away in your head with OG and sort of what he can be because the Raptors haven't really had a prospect like this in a while who um, sort of showed out in his rookie season this well and sort of has the tools. Like the Raptors, you know, even, you know, Pascal, Pascal Siakam is maybe a different case because he was much better this season. But, you know, Fred Van Vliet is just kind of always going to have a ceiling imposed by his height. And same with Jakob Pertl. Like he's just never going to be a guy who's like a, a perfect fit in any sort of scheme. And there's always going to be some sort of weakness there, it seems. Um, and like the Raptors being as good as they have and not having high picks and also being terrible at drafting beforehand, like they don't often come into prospects like this. So I understand why people are getting really excited. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard's name gets thrown out, all the, thrown out all the time. And like, I think that's a little bit ambitious because Kawhi Leonard's an MVP candidate when he's playing. Um, and, you know, I think finished top three, two years straight. Like, I don't think that's necessarily an OG's future, but I also do understand and I do kind of do it myself. Like I get, you know, carried away with what he can be. How do you sort of negotiate your expectations for OG based on what you saw this season and what you think he can do with sort of trying to be realistic and not sort of put too much on him? Yeah, um, the yeah the Kawhi Leonard and, and Draymond Green, those are the two comparisons that got thrown around a lot leading up to draft. Uh, the Draymond Green less so in regards to style, more so in regards to some physical build elements. They have yes. some similar weight size to them. Um, 
with the with the Kawhi comparison in particular, nobody expected Kawhi to become Kawhi either. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not to say that OG will inevitably take those steps, um, but it's it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he could become a top 25 player in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to build a wing defender in a lab, you're going to come up with somebody physical to him. And then with uh, with obviously the uh, defensive aptitude that he has, that's, that's already half the game kind of at a very high peak level as a 20-year-old. Uh, if he can round out some of those, you know, less refined elements on the offensive side, you have a very, very scary player. Um, considering he missed half of his junior year of, uh, of college due to an ACL injury, um, he wasn't expected to be back until December of this year. And even as a freshman in college, he was very minorly used. Um, he's very early in his development mm-hmm. compared to the skill level that he brings to the game. Um, so even just personality-wise, I, I think uh, I think sky is the limit, and there's a there's a lot of untapped potential there. Um, but worst case scenario, even if he doesn't come anywhere close to his ceiling, his floor is still a a big difference maker for any team with championship contender contending goals. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I still go back and forth as to whether I think Pascal or OG is going to end up being the better player. I think Pascal's shown a little bit more offensively and just with his playmaking and his handle than, than OG has, but OG has the shot already squared away. I think both can be just monsters defensively. And I just I want to see those two play together a lot because I think that could be really hard to score on, and I'm really excited for those guys. But, um, yeah, like, I think this season kind of established that, like, you know, with a prospect like this who had an injury issue and his shooting was kind of, you know, wonky and, you know, he seemed a little bit raw coming in. Like, I think this season did a lot to just establish a floor for OG. And I think, like, at the very worst, he's going to be like Al Farouk Aminu, who's like a very good player and very useful to what the Blazers do and was necessary to them being good this year and sort of, you know, shaping a defense around him. You can kind of do that as a guy who can switch three or four positions. Um, and I think OG is going to be able to do that. You know, I think maybe sort of a mid-tier sort of final sort of version of OG. Something that looks like maybe like Otto Porter where there's a bit of off-the-dribble stuff. Maybe not a totally refined, but he's like a really good third player to have that you're very okay paying close to a max contract for because he's just like, he does so many things well. He's an excellent shooter, uh, can defend, you know, the best player on the other team pretty effectively. Like, I think that's within the realm of possibility. Um, and then, like, on the uh, the higher end of things, like, Paul George, I don't think that's crazy. Like, I, I, I think the Kawhi stuff, I just, like, Kawhi's such a rare case that I think just, like, the, the odds of it replicating itself sort of, uh, you know, within the same decade seem low to me. But, um, yep. like, Paul George, that guy came in as, like, a not super heralded prospect. He wasn't a good shooter in his first season. Like, OG already has that on him. Has that on him. And then... He's sort of just factoring the tools, and, you know, maybe he's not ever, like, the guy you want to have as the best player on a championship team, but as the second or third best player, like, you're laughing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fun to dream on a guy, and, like, I, I don't really, bes- like, begrudge people for wanting to put a lot of hope in him, because he is awesome, and showed everything that you would want to see in a rookie season, um, and I, I don't know, like, I just hope he plays a lot next season, and hope he stays healthy, all that stuff, because, like, I don't know, when was the last time you were this excited about a Raptors prospect? Oh boy, 
Um, probably Jonas before he came over. Like skinny Jonas? Very, skinny Lithuania Jonas? Yeah, skin, skinny, bouncy Lithuanian Jonas. Yeah. Um, and even then, a, a lot of that was due to me having less information, less video to watch. I, I wasn't as uh, as into it back then as I am now. Um, but the nice thing with OG is I, even if he only improves very incrementally and, and small additions here and there, um, even if he doesn't, even if he just plateaus right now as a rookie, which I you know obviously don't expect, um, I think it's safe to expect safe to say that for the length of his career you can kind of pencil him into being involved in his team's best five-man units Mm -hmm. um when the game is needing to be on the line Uh, he's he just seems like that reliable kind of glue guy and uh by all accounts looking at teammate interviews they all just love him personality wise like he just seems like a good dude yeah, uh, and wings are very important, as we've seen in these playoffs, and having lots of them is nice, and the Raptors don't quite have lots of them, but OG's a very good starting point. And yeah, like, I don't think it's hyperbolic for me to say I haven't been this excited about a Raptors prospect since Chris Bosh. Like, maybe mm-hmm. Bargnani at the time, like, when he was drafted, like, oh, hey, we got the next Dirk or whatever, but that went away pretty quickly. Yeah, um, like, case. after the first season of a guy, I think it's probably <laughs> Bosh, right? Like, yep. and that yep. is... Uh, I mean, obviously different kind of guy and probably doesn't have quite the upside that Chris Bosh did, you know, as a player and sort of as an anchor of a championship defense and stuff like that. But um, maybe he can be. I don't know. It, it's it's fun to dream. And it's like, again, I don't really sort of knock Raptors fans who wanted to be excited about a guy because it hasn't happened in so damn long. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. These player reviews are going to probably get more depressing as we go along. But Matt, I was very <laughs> thankful... Uh, I'm very thankful you for coming on the OG recap review, whatever the hell we're calling it. Uh, anything, any parting shots about OG that you want to share? Anything you want to plug uh, before we let you go here? No, nothing. I, uh, you can find my writing over at Raptors Republic. I haven't put anything up recently, uh, but that's where you can find my stuff. Otherwise, I'm on Twitter m underscore shants, and uh, yeah, sounds good. Otherwise. Uh, Thanks for having me on to chat about OG. I'm always free for that. <laughs> yeah, when he uh, when he makes, I guess there's no sophomore teams. When he makes, when he when is like <laughs> when he's fourth in defensive player of the year voting next season, we can uh, come on. We'll have you on to get mad about it. I guess. Excellent um, annual tradition. Yeah. Uh, also, sorry about the Winnipeg Jets, buddy. Uh, oh, also, they, not they sorry because have... the Vegas Golden Knights are a hilarious, awesome story. Uh, yeah, I think I, it's awesome. I have. The, the Jets helped hold me together when the Raptors kind of got their ass kicked uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Um, but in all honesty, you've you got to tip your cap to the, the Golden Knights, and I, I would love to see them finish this off. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, either way, this isn't a hockey podcast, but uh, <laughs> sometimes we cross over. Why not? Uh, thanks so, so much to everyone for tuning in. Please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. It's the easiest way to help out the show. Uh, show that you care. It's like... It, takes two seconds and it's free and this is a free podcast and it's the only thing i ask of you so please do it um it's very very helpful we had some nice reviews put on there lately which uh helps my ego certainly um so keep on uh juicing that up as well with the ratings and reviews um more reviews i guess coming this week well i don't know i haven't decided who we're going to talk about yet but we'll talk about players uh i'm going to get the trivia thing going back 
probably this weekend, something like that too, um, because it's been a while and we have the Elite Eight to play out. Uh, until then, though, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.